Welcome to the Glass Lab podcast, where we talk all things product development. It's our goal every month to introduce you to the people, ideas, and development tools that are shaping the hardware products we all use every day. I am Grant Chapman, CEO here at Glassport, and welcome to the Glass Labs podcast. Um, with me today at Glassport is Ben Ettinger, the Director of Product at Glassport, and we have Mitch Gilbert that is the CEO of Oya Femtech Products, right? Well, thank you for joining us. So um, welcome to the Glassboard Podcast Studio. Um, again, I think the, the first question I love to ask is, who are you and uh, how'd you get here? Yeah, uh, my name is Mitch. Uh, I am a passionate innovator. I think I've been tinkering some way in business since I was a child. Uh, I think I started my first business at like six. That got <laughs> shut down by my mother, but that's, I was doing very well, very healthy product margins. Um, from there, I really grew to love sports. I've been training since I was 14. I've had previous stints at both Nike and Lululemon, and I'm a UCLA John Wooden fellow, so major shout out to the pyramid. Um, and then while at UCLA, I got the idea that we could just really make women's sportswear a lot better and healthier. And then from there, we just started winning business plan competitions. We got into Techstar Sports. We're about to break a record for having an oversubscribed round. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just here. I'm happy to be Amazing. here. That's phenomenal. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Awesome. So what was the the first product that got uh, the Oi brand off the ground? Like what was the, the initial idea or the problem you were solving? Yeah, so an, when I played sports, and I can, I can even take a bit back and introduce yeah. like my relationship to the problem. So. When I played sports, uh, I had a problem. I was a state ranking athlete. I was playing with Olympians. I played rugby. I was a lot stronger then. So don't, don't take <laughs> me like this. At one point in time, I was definitely athletic. Uh, and I would get like reoccurring yeast infections. And it made me, I was like, man, I'm gross. Something's wrong with me. It took, and it took me years to work up the courage to talk to my friends who were training for the top events in their lives, just to learn that they were suffering from the same issues. And finally, when at business school, the UCLA uh, OBGYN was like, stop wearing leggings. And I was like, what? Girl, how am I supposed to stop wearing leggings? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to wear? Magical pants? Is that how this works? And, but come to find out, we started doing research. Um, my team and I, because we had to, for our, our thesis project for business school, essentially come up with a business plan. So we started doing research, talking to doctors, nurses, women, midwives, moms, et cetera. And spandex is like a garbage bag. So it traps moisture and it does not breathe. So then if you're thinking about like what happens to a garbage bag when you leave it in your kitchen during the summer. Okay, well with women it's worse because not only are we hot because we're training, but we also leak. We leak urine, menstrual fluids and or sweat depending upon the phase of our bodies. And so once we figured this out, we we're like, oh, who else is solving this? Like this has to be a thing. I, even at Nike, I brought it up and people were just like, yeah, no. Like, it's Wait, just really, like, yeah. Can I dig in there? What, what were the rejections or what were the objections to that? Um, I don't think it was like as much a rejection as much as like we just don't have the people to work on that. Yeah. Like, like, who would be the person who works on that product? Like, when we first started this, fintech and fintech is still growing as a category. Uh, like, if you google fintech apparel, it's us, like, we'll, we're the first thing that pops up. So I just think they were just like, we don't know what you're talking about. And so my team and I was like, okay, well, me being the innovator that I am, I'm like, all right, well, bet. I'm just going to go figure <laughs> this out. Like, I don't, I don't know. So 
we jerry rigged a project uh, like a product i think i took like a pair of lululemon leggings and like started like making initial concepts and like went to a pitch competition and i was like this is what it would look like right and uh we won money and then we were like all right so we're gonna go build these and so we found this um person who this was during the peak of COVID, so mm -hmm. it was actually hard to like manufacture these pants and we were in LA and I was getting yelled at because this pant construct had not been made before and it was expensive and it was difficult to sew. And yeah, and, but we refined it a lot more. It's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more like aerodynamic and beautiful. And I'm, I'm excited to be creating a culture where women feel like they get to be empowered and beautiful at the same time. Oh, that, for sure. That's awesome. No, I love the well, I started cutting up pants and that's where we started. <laughs> yeah, I really did, for sure. Because that, for, for me in product development, I mean, what you and I do every day, for the first time we tackle a new problem for a new product, it's always, well, what can I buy on Amazon and smash together to like do something that doesn't exist? Yeah. And it's so cool that you had that exact instinct from like your first go, get like, well, I'm just gonna go make it myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I think I used to do robotics when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I think like, if you just get that bug where you're just like, well, what could this look like? differently like right. that's yeah. just sticks with you like as a personality trait almost that's awesome well i think we all here a lot of us here are passionate about this space in general but for our listeners could you just have what is femtech what does that mean yeah it is an all-encompassing term with no clear definition um but essentially it means any technology related to promoting a woman's feminine health or su supporting the advancement of that so it looks like wearables. So that's like apparel, how we have, or, you know, some, if you've ever heard of women who wear watches or bands that help them with menopausal symptoms by like decreasing their body temperature. It includes software, especially on cell phone, cell phones. Women will use things like to track their periods, mm -hmm. et cetera, um, when they're ovulating. Uh, and then it also includes uh, treatments, especially in the medical field. So like women, IVF, like helping them with like fertility. You see a lot of uh, FinTech products and software around fertility, but not so much around like how do we address and prevent other issues like yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis and UTIs. Right. Yeah. Like the everyday problems are the ones that get like under the rug is like, that's just normal. You, you guys can figure that out. But yeah. fertility is just one big thing. We can solve a particular problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, and I think that's crazy that that when you brought up like the Nike and the other people, like that wasn't, it's like, oh, we should solve this problem because everyone experiences it. It's actually a pretty common thing, Yeah. but somehow that didn't track. Yeah, I think according to the CDC, like 75% of women are gonna struggle with feminine health issues. And I remember early on when we were pitching and there was like this old dude who was like, there's no way vaginas have that many issues. And I was like, <laughs> all right, bro, like you're still arguing with CDC. Shout out to you. I don't know what your wife's up to. Like I feel bad for her, but okay, whatever. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, and you mentioned swept under the rug. I feel like that's one of my favorite things about this space is just, it's almost, in, there are a lot of the stories we come across are almost inherently underdog stories in the sense that there's these topics that culturally we've just historically stigmatized, mm -hmm. right? And people don't want to talk about them. But then you have folks like yourself, they're like, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to build a successful business around it. And I'm like, if that's ever a flex in product development, like yeah. that's the power move to be had right there. Not a flex. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I'm just tired. I'm like in the wake of everything going on in America right now, I genuinely on a lot of levels feel attacked. Like as <laughs> like as quite frequently I'm the only um female presenting CEO in the room. I'm also always frequently the only black CEO in the room and definitely mm -hmm. sometimes the shortest. 
And so like, it's just like, looking at all these things, I'm just tired. Like life could be better, you know? Right. And I think it definitely requires a, a certain level of courage, but what I've seen or what I think is important is that like, given the levels of success that I've had in my life, like I have a voice and I can use this voice as something that's good. Like I, I've worked in corporate and got job offers and private equity and like Goldman Sachs and like all these things. But, you know, I genuinely have a passion for helping people and also being stylish, which is why I admire your <laughs> shirt. Like, I think it's great. And I just, I'm just into that. And I'm not really afraid of people at this point. Right. And I think that's the, what it takes to do a new tech idea, a new startup. And especially in the space that you're in, you had to be the loudest voice in the room and the squeakiest wheel to get the grease because people weren't traditionally listening to that. Yeah. Um, so what part of your story do you think was the thing that kicked over the first win? Right. Because I think once you get some momentum, it, not that it's ever easy, but you start rolling. The hardest one's always the first one. What Ooh. what got you to get the um, the audience you're talking to, to to listen if they weren't before? Because it sounds like, and again, for me talking, like, I'm just sitting here believing everything, like, sign me up. <laughs> and so you've obviously done this enough that you know what the what the hook was that got people to really listen. And what transitioned that from being an idea that didn't kick off in the boardroom, that really took off in the pitch competition? Like, what was the, the pivot that you think really listened? Or was it the audience that changed? I got more explicit. Like, I was just like, vagina. I think I like, <laughs> I think I like, I had an advisor her name is Carrie Stillman, uh, amazing marketer. She started with a uh, cuisine art mm -hmm. and uh, really helped build that business. And we're at Rice Business Plan Competition. So it's the largest business plan competition in the world. And there were like hundreds of teams that applied from like all over. And we were talking and she's like, no, no, no. You need to put a vagina on the slot. And I was like, oh, Carrie, you know, like, I don't. I don't know if I want, if I, if I want, to, I want to do are, that. Whole, are you sure? Are you sure? And she's like, nah. And then like, we went through multiple variations and she's like, make it bigger, bigger and bolder. And I, I was like, you know, I don't know. But like, it was, it was crazy because that competition, you uh, it came down to seven finalists. We were all considered winners because we all got money. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was the only female CEO again. I was the only black person CEO. We were the only women in the finals in general. And uh, we were also the only product-based business like that they had seen in years. Yeah. That said, we did not win the diversity award. So like, shout out to them. I don't know how they count diversity, but <laughs> it didn't go to us. And, just, and it was, that was where we got our first venture capital check. And it was... It, I remember re learning. I was like, are we legitimately the only females? Because there was like a group with like females and the females like, yeah, but that's OK. You're going to kill it. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. OK, like like out of hundreds of applicants. And, but I think just being so explicit about vagina, like yeah. it just stuck with both genders. They're like, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I didn't think about it that way until now. But yeah. yeah. Or like you don't have to use like. Your imagination, right? Like we're just using the words to describe <laughs> right. the thing. We're not trying to beat around or anything. Well, and, and it's so wild because here at Glassboard, like vagina and like menstruation are not like bad words here because we have products that like span that space. So for us in like normal conversation, that's really normal. And I still get looks when I'm not in the family here at Glassboard of like, you're just talking about like at dinner. I'm like, yeah, it's a problem that needs to be solved. Like there's issues here that like things aren't working. Right. And it's so funny how in society you'll meet with certain groups or people that that is like, it shocks them and it takes them back. And then five minutes in, like, wait, that's that's a problem. There's things in this industry that aren't being taken care of. And it's such an amazing thing that once you warm people up, it's different. 
But just like, again, I can't agree with you more that doing it explicitly is the only way to get past that stigma. You have to. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. We tried saying things like allusions or stuff and like allegories. I don't know. Metaphors. Yeah. And people were just. But no, well, it's interesting because we we get contra- we get contradicting feedback sometimes. Like we in in tech stars, we got feedback like maybe you should slide, like chill out on the word vagina. I was like, did you hear that explicitly from someone? And he's like, yeah, definitely. So then I went into my next meeting. I was like, they told me I should stop using vagina. What do you think? And they were like, no. <laughs> like the, the next like three meetings, everyone like unanimously agree. Like, nah, you just need to go for it. I think send it. I mean, it's that's what your product is focusing on. That's like the yeah. like directly what you're tackling. I also always feel like it's like the best medicine for things not being awkward is just you talking about them and not mm-hmm. them not being awkward for you. Then that's like true. people kind of just reciprocate. Like we're just talking about this now and it's normal now. Yeah, it, it's it's also interesting. Like once you open up that space, how many people have questions and issues with their vagina? Like. I, I've definitely even, not even just vagina. It's like men have come to me and been like, yo, I got a yeast infection. I was like, word, I didn't ask you, but like, we can talk about that. Like, tell me how that affected you. And, you know, we just talk about it because I definitely think in 2022, we are getting to a place where people realize how much healing they need, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, if people are suffering from these issues in silence, and it's not just women, like, I think about a third of our customers are men, right? Who just like, their wives get pregnant and they're just like, yo, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> tell me how I can help her or, or, you know, or especially if they date athletes. So men are definitely interested in these conversations. It's just, they probably don't necessarily have the words or know how to talk about right, this. And things. what to Google and what to ask about. And like, how yeah. do you bring that into the lexicon of every day? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've read ads about like yeast infections and like men, like, click them like significantly higher than women. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I wonder if it's like we know of them, but not about them. Where it's like, <laughs> yeah. again, do you know the stats? I have no idea what the stats are. If like what percentage of men versus women get them? Uh, I, it was not about men yeast infections. It was really clearly a yeah. one ad about female oh, yeast God, okay. infections. Like do you think the click through was curiosity about learning yeah, more? I think it really was yeah. because, you know, I think according to the CDC, about one third of women have like bacterial vaginosis at any given time, right? And like men don't necessarily even know what that means. They're just like, something is different. (laughs) So I guess I don't, like, I think with that particular ad, it was like, yeah, these leggings help fight yeast infections. And I think it was like, it it was like two times as many men click through it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That is such an interesting fact. I'm taking that one home. (laughs) I don't know. That's what the data said. Well, it sounds like even just amongst women, like talking about those issues is not necessarily, it's been stigmatized as well. And it's not necessarily something that was like super easy, like for your and your experience. Like you said, you kept it to yourself for a while. Like it didn't feel great. And then finally you started to open up about it, whether it was to men or women. Yeah, we've had focus groups where people have kind of like cried, especially like older generations, um, because they have said things like, this is the first time I felt seen. Like Mm. I've been just kind of dealing with these issues and hiding um, you see a lot of people who experience shame, but you also just experience people who it's not even shame. They genuinely just don't know. Like, for example, we had a pop-up and this middle schooler came over and she was just kind of looking at the clothes. And I think she just thought the colors were pretty, if that makes yeah. sense. And then like, she was asking me what we did. And, and 
she was a preteen, so I couched some of the words a little bit, like less like, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of like soften her into feminism. And um, and you could see like her eyes like lit up. She And then I was like, okay, she ran away. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but like, okay, whatever. But then she came back like with a credit card and she's like, no, nah, I need these now. <laughs> and like, but she didn't know what she was dealing with because she was, she wasn't ashamed. She just genuinely didn't have the words. She was like, something's just different. And I don't like it. Right. She was experiencing a thing that you could outline for her and then also present a solution. Yeah. Not only really told cool. her what it was, but this is the fix all in one statement. Yeah. Like, that's crazy cool. But that's so cool to build a product that so directly solves a problem that isn't like a problem like, oh, I don't know when my next appointment is. I need an Apple Watch to tell me you're solving a problem that people have been suffering with, with discomfort and unpleasantness without a good fix. I would say it's not solving. Don't get me sued by anybody. Like 100% that is not legal approved language. The FOIA is not solving your yeast infections. We have not been FDA approved, uh, but we are fighting them right. for sure. Like we are, we are fighting them with um, patent. Our leggings are patent pending and we are investing a lot in R&D around textiles and designs that promote feminine health. And, and it's honestly, we started just with the like, bottom half of the body and just around like moisture. But we quickly learned that like women deal with moisture all issues all over the body. So like women will have millions of women are dealing with sweat related dermatological issues up top. So like uh, boob rash, chest acne, back acne. And it's more prolific for us because we have to wear sports bras. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're just learning all sorts of issues with the female <laughs> body that definitely need help. So we're here to support. Yeah, as I scroll through your website, there's a ton about just, it's not just uh, athleisure, but there's a really scientific approach to it. Can you talk to just that R and D? Obviously, we overstep saying it's yeah solving a problem. Yeah. What are you What are you all doing? Because I mean, we deal with that a lot, right? What kind of claims are we trying to make, and how do we test to those? And I'm I'm curious if you what you're doing now, if you see yourself you know crossing that line to engage with FDA or kind of what the trajectory looks like. Yeah. So. According, we're the first uh, athleisure brand to partner with doctors to actually build a product, uh, like specifically OBGYNs and dermatologists. And according to them, vaginas are healthier if they are drier and uh, and more ventilated. Mm -hmm. So everything around our, and I'm not sure when or like how to break this down, but essentially everything in our legging, if you look at this, is called a crotch gusset. So this is like show and tell. We're learning yeah. new words today. <laughs> crotch gusset. Uh, everything around this area is around how do we increase ventilation and decrease moisture. So this is actually mesh that was specially designed in LA. So for athletes, so it's super thick, um, but it's also, be, it's breathable, but there's this almost like kind of like jacquard uh, facing on it. So that way it's not see-through because we don't mm -hmm. want women to feel like, you know, exposed. And then if you flip on the inside of the legging, there actually is an insert that goes in here that's removable. And this insert absorbs leaks. Uh, well, our goal for it right now is to absorb leaks. It, right now we absorb sweat. So when you're talking about like R&D and where we're looking to go, we're actually applying for an SBIR grant through the National Science Foundation to actually invent a textile. Genuinely speaking, I thought I was dumb because I was like, why can't I figure out how to absorb leaks? Like, what is going on? <laughs> so I, I've been like sourcing fabrics for like two years and like, I'm not going to 
toot my own train, but like at 17, I was like talking to like massive recruits, like, and then like I was recruited to go to Harvard Business School. So I was like, if I can't figure something out, I was like, clearly I failed as an innovator. And like, <laughs> like I don't know, but uh, we just recently brought on a former Nike executive who focused on textiles and material science. Mm -hmm. And this fabric legitimately doesn't exist. So we want to create essentially a sponge. And, and this is what our SBIR grant will be around a sponge that absorbs moisture. So whether this is like menstrual fluids mm -hmm. or urine, because women leak sometimes when they're just like, I don't know if you ever heard women who don't like the box jump or like play jump rope or anything. Cause they like you sneeze, they sneeze yeah, yeah. and they pee. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's funny is we actually had an incontinence device that yeah. we used as a prototype for another device. So we okay. need parts of that product line to like innovate the next thing, which is yeah. really funny. So very familiar with that product space, actually. It was like an insertable that pushed from the inside out to ah, pinch, which we thought was like, this ah, is a problem. Uh, there's a solution. Yeah. Ah, so super cool product we found on Amazon that was out that we needed parts of for another product. So back ah, down to the, oh, if, you know, if it doesn't exist, we'll make more than one thing together to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really big problem. Like, mm -hmm. I think about like anywhere from 25% to one third of women suffer from like urinary incontinence. And, um, we were trying to figure out how do we make apparel that absorbs that. And we've sourced so many different types of materials, but it, it doesn't exist. And partly why this fabric doesn't exist yet is because most textiles are made for like male athletes or male soldiers. And they are dealing with very different issues than us. So like dry fit, shout out to them. They figured it out. It's out there for them. But like <laughs> moisture absorption, not so much. The best that we kind of have developed that's close to what we need is this concept of like period underwear. I don't know if you're familiar, mm -hmm. um, but that's like kind of inadequate because period underwear are actually reusable baby diapers. That it probably doesn't breathe very well either. It's a, it, no, it doesn't. And it, and even more so than that, it, the liquid comes back out. So if you think about like a towel, yeah. like these, these diapers are kind of made with essentially terry cloth, which is cotton. And so what happens if you twist like a wet towel, the moisture will come back out. And so we need to create something that like keeps the moisture in. So that way, if like a WNBA player, because th those are who testing our products right now, goes for like a layup shot, it won't just come out onto right. her uniform. But then at the same time, it's providing her the amount of ventilation she need. needs yep. and she's not sitting in a diaper. And so that is a big piece of our R&D roadmap this year. Next year, we really want to focus on creating a patent pendant top that also involves this uh, technology around a removable insert that kills bacteria and also absorbs moisture. Uh, we're also working on cooling fabrics. We just partnered with a Harvard lab to create the first probiotic textile by 2024. Um, so... People kind of like with this vaginal microbiome piece, like there are good bacteria and right. there's bad bacteria. And you get rid of the good ones, the bad ones will take over. Yeah. That's what no one understands. You can't just clean it. Yeah. Like sterilize because then it's way bad. Just yeah. like your skin. Like people like wash their face too much for acne. Yeah. You get way worse acne because the good bacteria is gone, which means there's more homes for the bad. Exactly. It's such a wild thing to like wrap your head around. But once you like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So right now we are dealing with antimicrobial fabrics, but we actually want to create like a probiotic fabric right. that actually like infuses the area with like really good bacteria. And so that's something we're testing or working on starting to test like in a lab, like how does that respond to like yeast infection cultures, et cetera. And then hopefully by 2024, our fabric that we were applying for through the SBIR grant mm -hmm. will actually be coming into fruition and we'll be able to test that out. So 
we're not necessarily going for FDA approval. Uh, there's that's a lot of headaches and paperwork. Yeah, it's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> like we're really into fashion. We're going for the WNBA partnership. You yeah. know, that's more so like our vibe, but. We are really serious about testing our products. So yeah. partnering with like Hohenstein lab over in Germany to figure out how effective is this against fighting yeast infections like UTIs and bacterial vaginosis. The sad part though, is that there's just not a lot of this research that exists. And so we know right now that we are actually going to be investing in just fem feminine health, femtech like research just in general. Right. You're doing you, the research. You're right? going to have to figure out what the test should be and pay for that and then pay to do the test. Not yeah. just pick up a test that someone else came up with yeah. and meet it. Yeah. No, that is so hard because it's so much harder to know what you don't know. Yeah. Than like, oh, I need to pass those tests. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, wild. So you're not in a position where you can go to your like textile suppliers and say, I'm looking for something to absorb like menstrual fluid per se. Mm -hmm. You're just getting all the fabrics and you're just doing the testing yourself because there is no precedent for it. We were literally making it up. Like I, we, well, not, I mean, we had an aero nautical engineer who was like doing these, he was like jerry rigging them. And like, <laughs> but they, was, they were actually pretty effective testing. And then we met with Hohenstein Institute and we were trying to figure out how to test things with them because they've done thinks period underwear. They've done a lot mm -hmm. of their testing. And we were describing things because it's not just, we need this to absorb. We also need it to ventilate at right. the same time. So mm -hmm. how do we test those two things simultaneously? And they were like, we actually don't know, but if you give us $15,000, we can try <laughs> and figure that out. And I'm like, I don't, okay, well, we'll see how that works out. So no, that's, that's really cool. And it's one of those things that you're not trying to just like wipe something up. It's not just absorption. You need to hold it. So almost more like a silica gel. Yeah. That you like hold it in that you can then go clean and bake out the, the, I'm assuming, let me, ask, is the insert supposed to be removable or, re or reusable or Both. disposable? Yeah, but well, not disposable. Right, so it's, it's remove and clean and then put back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we do want to make an effort to support sustainability. Uh, but with our upcoming legging that absorbs leaks, I think they are going to have to be single use. Mm -hmm. Like the sweat absorption will be reusable. So you can wash that in a machine and put it in, pop it out, etc. But the leaks and we're sad about it, but the material just doesn't exist yet. Right, we just right. can't, I can't poop new fabric. Like it's just, if <laughs> yeah. I could, I would have, you know? Right. No, it's one of those things like baby diapers, like the modern baby diaper is actually amazing the way it works, the yeah. way it absorbs uh, liquid, but not the reusable ones. You have to single use it because there's no way to get it out again. Yes. And so I love where you're going. Like, yes, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So partly why this SBIR grant is going to be so fantastic is just like the, or this textile is the use cases. So mm -hmm. it's not just women athletes who want to go live better lives or play their sports more comfortably and healthily, but it's also geriatric care because now you're looking at older men and women who will suffer from urinary incontinence as they age. It's postpartum care. So women, even if they're not, they don't want to wear athleisure, they're suffering from urinary incontinence and they don't want to wear a diaper. Like right. no one wants to. It's not a fun time. It's not a fun time. <laughs> and then- um, reusable baby diaper space that's really like big and popping. And there's just so many, and then not even just women, there's also men, right? Who are just suffering from like sweat and like bacteria issues yeah. and things, especially cyclists. We had a lot of cyclists. Yeah. I was just at Eurobike, a big trade show for that over the last week. And it's amazing how much apparel there is in the show. And okay. it'd be so cool if you guys could come in because all the apparel is just about the padding for comfort while you're riding. Yeah. But I didn't see anything about sweat or, or keep dry other than the, you know, dry fit generic conversation yeah. but i think that that space is really huge for innovation because again women cyclists probably don't get 
enough look into how that seat system works for them. Because I know there's a few seats I saw that were just for women, which is very cool. That's a different um, support structure than the men's seats. Yeah. But I think if you guys could get that absorption in that space, that'd be super cool. Yeah, that in tennis. Um, I don't know if y'all heard, or even just backing up before I even go into tennis, we have partnered with three WNBA teams to product test. And I remember being at a WNBA game and, or, or just a best, women's basketball game. And some of the star players had like wet spots on their crotches. And I was like, no, 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 we can fix that. And that was just kind of a hunch. Like I didn't know like the size of that problem, just that like it was awful and we wanted to fix it. But now that we've started working with these WNBA players, what we've come to learn is women are so afraid about leaking through white uniforms. So mm-hmm. much so that they will be wearing four to five pairs of spandex. Like if they have their period wow. or they just had a baby. Or sometimes they're each quarter, they're running to the bathroom to like change, to make sure that nothing happened. And it's like, how are you supposed to play your best game? Yeah. How do you focus on that when you're worrying about this other problem that, again, should be fixed or fixable? I don't know. And here you are. I mean, that's awesome. So you you just observed this and had a hunch. And then I just, just had kind a hunch. of uncovered. This, uncovered yeah. it. And I was, we were talking to like one of the personal trainers and she was like, yeah, some of these girls are like, and they were just kind of like, oh, this is just, it is what it is. And I'm like, it's really not. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not on the WNBA level. Like, that's just not where I'm at. But like, I am, um, we, and we are currently going through prototypes. We're testing with Kiana Smith, who is a basketball player Olympian. Like, so shout out to her. Like, she's doing her own thing. Very cool. Um, yeah. And we, Candace Parker, uh, the Chicago Women's Skies team. So, yeah out here supporting the China's. <laughs> That's awesome. And what's the, the, is the testing general like subjective feedback? Are you guys looking for some sort of like? Yeah, I think it'll probably be both like, both like in a lab so we can test like how much moisture we can absorb under like pressure. Uh, there's also some tests around like heat because that's like related to sweating, et cetera. Hohenstein started jerry-rigging tests for us. And I was like, you could definitely jerry-rig at a higher level than we can. But like, <laughs> I don't know, eventually, like maybe we might like want a more advanced test. I'm not sure. Uh, but also comfort is a big piece of it. Because again, women don't, I mean, I guess if you have to wear a diaper, that's like just what you're going to do. But we actually learned with this recent production batch that we were putting too much technology into our leggings and that there are women on a scale who want different things. Like some women just so like, I don't want to wear underwear and I just want ventilation. And Mm -hmm. that's a different customer than a woman who's having full blown on leaks. And so we have to test that comfort piece and figure out how do we create products that fit across that entire scale. Right. And maybe one product won't fit the whole scale. So how do you segment your product line in the right way is they overlap like this user and this user can both share this product, but these guys share this product. Exactly. Because if if only we could build products for every person. Right. But that's never the case. (laughs) Yeah, I genuinely it's, it's crazy. When we first launched, we sold out and we got so many angry emails like, the, the leggings fit amazing on certain people, but then like, it was just all these other people. We're like, we don't even know where you came from. Like, like we want the feedback, but we de- we designed for that Whole Foods lady, you know? She kind of <laughs> works out, but really she's not really doing much. She's kind of going to yoga. And then we like, we're getting like different sizes, like extra small. And then people were like, well, I need to do use this for my Peloton situation we're like girl I don't even own a Peloton so like I don't know how like I I did not test for that and so we I have definitely learned that (laughs) but not every one product is not for everybody I've definitely learned oh yeah 
No, and it's gotta be so hard with what you're building that it's so personal. Like clothing is such a personal fit. Like you and I were just talking before the show about like, there's a few brands I can shop at here in the US that fit me, but in Europe, in Italy, like a lot more brands fit me there. And I can't imagine how hard it is to deal with customer sentiment around, do these leggings fit me well, even if the technology works for me? Yeah, personal and political. It's very political. Like sizing is an extremely political journey. Like we skew smaller, but that's because we actually have a lot of Asian customers Mm. and they would complain if it was too large. Yeah. And they're like, this doesn't fit me. And so by doing that, then we also got feedback about it being too small and then it not fitting other Americans. So you kind of got to find that sweet spot there, but Vanity sizing is definitely a thing. Like women don't want to size up, right, even if right. they actually are a size up. Right, like, in your brand, right? And it's almost like you should take away like small, medium, large and just like give it random characters, right? Like this is banana, this is orange, like, just something <laughs> oh, completely unrelated so to a number or a scale. <laughs> but that's something that doesn't give them this mental image of bigger, right? Because I think we're, it's so stigmatized that size bigger is worse, which yeah. isn't always the case, right? It just yeah. might be the way you're built or how tall you are, things like that. Wow. But could you, you know, basically take it away from a scale and say, go get sized. And we're not gonna tell you what you are on the scale, but in our store, you know, in our sizer, you are a banana, just something completely random and go buy the size in our brand. And that way there's no stigma around, oh, you're an XL in our brand or double XL, just because we're trying to size for, like you said, like maybe the Asian market where an extra small in American might still not be small enough for them, right? So, you know, could you take those sizing scales away from each other? Yeah, we're actually working on a um, size chart right now because shapes are huge. Like, are you a triangle? Are you an apple? Are right. you a pear? Are you... Because um, the proportions can go crazy different in just, you know, let's call it two feet of a human body between knee and hip, which is, you know, I'm just picking out the leggings for one of your products. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, the thigh size compared to like the waist compared to like the biggest area or the butt or whatever, I'm sure that's a wild span. Yeah, and you need different waistbands to, to appropriately cover that. So even rectangles, right? Like most athletic women, a lot or a lot of athletic women are just rectangles, like, like they're like thicker. And, but that's such a, I, that's a, such a off the wall thought. I'm like, I'm into that. <laughs> but you yeah. carried the fruit analogy. You guys had this like whole food analogy that carried on and right. it worked out. But I mean, send it, feel free to take that idea. Like, <laughs> like I think it'd be awesome to take, cause I know that um, like I am different sizes, like medium or small versus American clothes or European clothes. Yeah. And it sucks that I just have to figure out what I am in each brand, but yeah. I don't but suffer. But you for having that problem. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, does it need to be the scale or can it be in that brand? This is what I am for people that would be self-conscious, right? So I think that's such a thing that how do you size that? How do you get an, oh, I remember the uh, old Victoria's Secret ads where I was like, coming in and we'll size you for a bra pro- properly, right? Yeah. Because do you guys like have like ambitions of doing like physical locations? Is that on your radar? Yeah, well, well um, REI just became an investor. Congratulations. So our goal Amazing. is to ideally in 2023 start with some local stores mm-hmm. around LA and then hopefully do national distribution. Um, sizing is definitely difficult, especially for women, because like men have been in the military. So, like, y'all sizing is just more down to a sign. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, because it's like they had to mass produce your uniforms. Right. And like women, like we're, we just have it. So things are just a lot more varied. Like what is a medium? There's no- In this brand, basically. This brand, this medium is this, exactly. but another brand may be completely different. Well, yeah. I'm curious, just what is Oya's goal? Is your goal just to 
have the sizing that makes the most sense to the most of your customer base? Or you mentioned like vanity sizing is to make people feel the best. Like if you had to have like an overarching goal of how you size things, what's the what's the mission there from Oya's perspective? I mean, that is a political question. Uh, <laughs> I am, you know, I don't, I would say, honestly, it's to get as many women or people with vaginas, as we would say, in it who feel comfortable. So we just, by virtue of our product testers, it just varies. So like we have WNBA players, so we know we need to go tall at some point because they're taller than the average human. We have women who started who are size extra small, SF hiking. Like that is a a target customer of ours as well. specifically like Japanese or Korean, like that is a, that is one of our target customers. Yeah. And we want to create a brand that's really focused on inclusion. And so if you look at a lot of our messaging and our imagery, like we are really intentional about that. To some extent that has actually come back to bite us uh, because we, since we are startup, we just don't have enough SKUs to best Mm -hmm. support all of that diversity. Uh, kind of similar, I think it's Khloe Kardashian has that line, Good American, where they do like half butt sizes. So they do like butt sizes and hip sizes. Got it. Mm. And they won't let a boutique carry their line unless they can carry the full line of all the SKUs. You have to carry all the SKUs for us to ship you any product to Mm -hmm. be inclusive. That's actually a pretty hard to me, but cool message. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know if we're that aggressive yet. I mean, she definitely has a Kardashian name behind her, which helps with those things. (laughs) But I think that is definitely where we one day aspire to be. I feel sad that we don't get to carry all sizes right now to make women feel beautiful. But I do think that we are learning how to be more inclusive in different ways. So athleisure as a category is not necessarily the most welcoming to everybody type. It can be intimidating for certain bodies. And we just did a pop-up at the WNBA All-Star Game, and we made a T-shirt that said, mind your own uterus, because I was like, this is how I feel today. We're just going to go for it. Like, <laughs> I don't know who's going to buy this, but I'm, I'm putting my money where You're my like, mouth I buy is. It, so I'll, I'll put it out there. 100%. And we started getting way older, older, like, and, and men who were buying it for themselves, older women, different shapes women. And, and I think that there's, a, that really opened my eyes that there are, ways that you can create your product line where people can participate. They want to participate in the brand. In the messaging and what you guys are all about, right? Mm -hmm. And we just have to be inclusive of that. So moving forward, we're definitely going to be carrying t-shirts because athleisure is not necessarily for everyone. So to your point, our goal is to develop an inclusive size range. Uh, I really admire Nike for how inclusive a lot of their sizes are, you know, high, tall, petite, et cetera. That said, we really want to take sizing to the next level. So we're looking into like getting AI stuff on like our website. Like, I don't know if you've seen this Amazon thing where you can take a picture and it builds yeah. you a custom t-shirt. Yep. No, that's, that's I just asked that question of like you, if you couldn't do it in person, could you rely on like smartphones today in a mirror to get halfway there, right? To get an approximate size of this is our range of sizes that'll fit you best from your image. We'll send you the upper, the lower, the middle and send two back or something like that. We have done that program. It's like choose your uh, choose your best fit, and yeah. customers really like that. It's hard from an inventory level because because oh, like half your inventory is always out in the store. But for we also do it at pop ups because men will just come over like yeah, I don't know. And so it's like me and this man on like Instagram being like, <laughs> right. all right, can you give me a better picture of her butt? Like you you ain't got no picture. <laughs> like come on, like 
I don't know what's up. And so, no, this is, this really happened. So then I sent him home with two sizes right. and he brings me back the one that like he, uh, that she liked the best. So yeah, sizing is just really. A really hard problem. It's really, really hard. And I, and I think certain brands just tackle it by really going to the middle and staying really aggressive about their sizing. So uh, for example, Alo or Lululemon really made a lot, a big name for themselves in the sense that they just catered to one body type for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. decades. And eventually they got slammed because they were like, oh, people were like, you got to be more diverse. Um, that's not, we're at the opposite end. We definitely want to be diverse. But another thing is we are not like one of those brands that pops up at an overseas factory where they just make all the sizes range. Like our clothes are for the most part manufactured here in the U S mm-hmm. I know my manufacturer's name, his name is Rolando. <laughs> Rolando is when I have or on text message mm-hmm. uh, cause we care and we want to care throughout our entire supply chain. So we just have to be thoughtful about it, but we are, we do want to be very intentional. That's awesome. And again, I think that's, that story was so cool to hear from start to finish that there's this technical problem about the sizing how other people are doing it, how you guys want to solve it and where you guys are going. Um, and unfortunately, I think we've got to start pulling this guy in and wrapping this up or we could go oh, talk on for okay, all sorry. of eternity. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, but I just want to say, I'm so glad we ended on that okay. because you, you've you got this awesome product that you're working on that I think sells itself at the moment. Um, again, I was here learning about how you got them. Like, this makes all the sense in the world. How are you guys like the only ones tackling the problem? But like, it's so cool that you are. And to hear that the sizing thing isn't just an easy problem to solve. Because again, one of the things that Ben and I always talk about in product development, that there's no easy problem. No matter how easy it sounds, it's probably the hardest thing you're going to do that day. It's always the, the hard ones that have some unique solution that you stumble upon and, okay, we've got the answer. But it's the easy things like, oh, that should be easy to solve that are so hard to pull off in the real world. And it's so cool to like end on this topic of, shouldn't Tyson be easy, but it's the infinitely variable thing that making it custom, sure. But making a business out of it, that's really hard to do. Yeah. We are having conversations now bringing in a designer to communicate our size chart in a more beautiful way. It it changes with fabric. It changes with fit. It changes with product because we even have to adjust for like vagina sizing. Like, Mm because how do we make your vagina look good? If there's an insert in here, there's, so many shapes of vaginas. Right. Like, and and Augusta has to fit the entire span. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's kind of like, it's almost like ergodynamic. Yeah. yeah. No, that's crazy. That's awesome. Well, Ben, any, any other questions or comments here? No, I think, yeah, your mission is so cool. I hope you get it into the hands as, of as many people as you can. Um, so, you. so fascinating to talk to you about the, the whole journey. I wish we had four more hours to keep right. talking. I know. And, and, and once it's the cameras turn off, we might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But again, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I know it's, uh, hard to take time out of a day when you're running a company like this that's doing cool stuff but thank you so much for sharing your story and what you guys are working on yeah thank you so much for having me and the ideas about bananas and <laughs> i mean i think that's really cool i like where your brain went left and yeah y'all two were very welcoming so very appreciative awesome well, thank you so thank much, you so much.